Hold on. Got to brush the shoulders off. Get the dust off. Oh, get ready for this podcast. We just jumped out of the vault for this one. Seriously. Conversations 10 months ago. Had to go into the vault. Pull this one out. Perfect time for it as bowling state championships sectionals happening as we speak for the IHSA IESA junior high same deal in April of 2022 we spoke with the Holy Cross boys bowling team after they won a state championship IESA style great group of boys and coaches and we had the pleasure to speak with them we spoke with bowler grady jones who was in eighth grade now a freshman at mendota high school he reached out he wanted to chat he listened to a couple podcasts and said hey i want to be part of this so of course we had him on he was great for an eighth grader pumped up about bowling pumped up about going into high school and i believe he decided to play basketball instead of bowling as a freshman So we'll see what his path, his journey, his adventure goes from there as he gets older and maybe he decides to go back to bowling while still in high school. Then we talked to coaches John Holland and Matt Novak. Both of them were super awesome and I believe both of them helped Matt Bauer, the first year coach at Mendota High School. I believe they were his assistants. I know his wife Mandy was. And I believe John and Matt were as well. So they moved on up to Mendota High School as their kids graduated from Holy Cross and are now bowlers or athletes or members, participants, some sort at Mendota High School. And like I said, it was from April 10 months ago. No, it's almost a year ago. Had to get in the vault. But listen, podcast waves are where memories never die. And it's never too late to post. If you check out other podcasts, they're talking about stuff that happened in 1920s or the 1980s or the 1800s. Things that happened years, decades ago and we're just reliving memories or telling other sides of the stories. And that's what we're doing here. So whether it's 10 months ago, last week, today, whatever, it's podcast, podcast airwaves and stories are never, ever too late to post. We also have Devin Masters, my buddy, my homie from Granville, who does a little bit of everything. He is now working with the Spring Valley Fire Department, getting his fire department skills on, his training on, and he is part of that crew now. And he's busy. He used to hit me up all the time, send me messages or tweets about sports and other things. Now, I have to reach out to him. I'm just not cool anymore. No, no, no. He's a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. But we linked up to talk about the Super Bowl on Saturday before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was Sunday, February 12th. We spoke Saturday, February 11th. And this podcast is coming out today, Thursday, February 16th. Busy week, busy times. I am an official for volleyball and basketball for IHSA and IESA and the Season is winding down, so the plan is to pump out more of these podcasts, get the vaults cleared out so we can have them a little more timely and out more often. So 
We'll see what happens. But you, you know what? We got to stay busy. We got to keep doing things that we like, that are our passions, our loves. And that's what I do. Newspaper, radio, this podcast, officiating, doing camera work for WLPO, just doing as much as I can. So the show does not come out as frequently as it has before, but it's still going to come out, still putting out awesome interviews, conversations, and keeping us in the know of what is going on in Illinois. This is episode 253 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. You can listen to this amazing podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the website www.rss.com backslash podcasts. That is with an S. It is plural. Backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Socials on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Couldn't fit the podcast. It's just a P. Please on all of those lovely platforms. Please like, review, star, comment. All of those cool things to help us out as much as possible. Get us up the little rankings and more out there so people can know what we're doing in the Illinois Valley, Central Illinois, Northern Illinois, and everywhere that we cover and talk about. If you have any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a good guest, you like or don't like something I or a guest said, or if you'd like to be a sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we have to show the love to Brian Cavelli, the master of the intro and outro beat for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This episode is brought to you by First State Bank. 20 locations in Central Northern Illinois, great people, great community bank that is bigger than just the community, but keeps it community. That's what I like about First State Bank. I have banked there for over 10 years. Although it is a bigger bank, they make you feel like it's a hometown bank. That's a cool thing. Love it, love it, love it. We will also have on this show, Win Lose Stat, where we go through some things happening in high school sports. We are getting caught up. We are going to do the week of January 18th through the 25th. Going to talk the Super Bowl. My afterthoughts of the Super Bowl. And then we will listen to mine and Devin Masters' conversation. Kind of like a preview of the Super Bowl. What he thought was going to happen. What we wanted to happen. And all those good things. And then we're going to talk some NBA trades. There was a lot that happened before the NBA tread deadline on February 9th. A lot of big deals. A lot of huge stars moved around the league. So let's jump into win-lose stat. High school winter sports have entered the playoffs. Almost all of them at this point. In this podcast, win-lose stat, we will talk about boys bowling in the sectionals and competitive dance in the sectionals. They ran January 21st. Competitive cheerleading wrapped up their state meet on February 3rd and 4th. Girls Bowling is headed to state tomorrow for their two-day state tournament. Boys Wrestling is at state right now. Starts February 16th and ends the 18th, so they're wrapping up. Girls Wrestling had their sectional meet February 10th and 11th, and their state meet will be the 24th and 25th. Girls Regional started last week on February 11th, 
10th, actually. So regional finals happening today and tomorrow for girls' hoops. Boys' hoops, regional quarterfinals start tomorrow, February 17th and February 18th. And then boys' swimming will start their sectionals February 18th as well, which is on Saturday. So in the next two days, everything is either wrapping up or beginning as we get to the end of the winter sports season. We already got a list of people we want to talk to, already been reaching out, getting some interviews so we can talk about the awesome season that we've had in our area. So we'll start with Wednesday, January 18th, girls basketball. Amboy was on a 17-game winning streak before they ran into Eastland on Wednesday, January 18th, lost 45-24, to Ellie Jones had 15 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 steals for the Lady Clippers. Byron defeated Stillman Valley 53-38. At the time, Byron was 21-2. Polo beat Milledgeville 57-23. Dixon fell to St. Viator 50-41. LaSalle, Peru knocked off Morris 48-40. For Morris, Landry Callahan had 13 points, 11 rebounds, 3 blocks. McKenna Boyle had 11 points and 4 rebounds. In the McLean County Heart of Illinois Conference Girls Tournament, 5th place semifinals, El Paso Gridley lost to Hayworth 32-30. For EPG, Miley Earhart had 12 points and Isabel Vegas had 15 rebounds. As the game broke down, Abriel Smith for El Paso Gridley tied the game 30-30 with 1 minute 20 seconds left on the clock. Hayworth's Brooke Montiga hit two free throws with 37 ticks left and El Paso Gridley could not tie the game or take the lead as they fell 32-30. Rankings always come out on Wednesdays during the season. So on January 18th, a Wednesday, the rankings came out. For the girls in 3A, Dixon received six votes Four away from the 10th spot. In 2A, Byron was 6th at 20-2. Obviously, just winning their 21st game on the day that the rankings come out. That's not going to be figured in there. So their 20-2 record got them 6th. Tied for 9th was Princeton with an 18-2 mark. Fieldcrest received 16 votes. They were 13 away from the last spot, the 10th spot in 2A. And 1A, Amboy received 11 votes. They were five away from the 10th spot in 1A. Boys rankings. Yorkville in class 4A received three votes. They were 20 away from the last spot. In 2A, Princeton, 20-0, undefeated, was the top-ranked team in 2A. Boys hoops on January 18th. Earlville, 66. Alden Hebron, 37. For Earlville, Garrett Cook, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Griffin Cook, 18 points. Ryan Browder, 12 points, 6 assists. And Adam Waite, 10 rebounds. Just met his grandfather a couple days ago. Awesome guy. We talked about Earlville basketball for quite some time. They got a squad there. They do. They're playing really good basketball. Putnam County defeated Kiwani 62-53. For Kiwani, Brady Clark had 25 points as he knocked down four three-pointers. Also for the Boilermakers, Blaze Lewis had 13 points. Going to the swimming pool in a triangular, 
with LaSalle, Peru, Ottawa, Co-op, Mohamed Seymour, and Olympia. LP Ottawa was the victor with 127. Mohamed Seymour scored 115, and Olympia had 23. For LP, here were their winners. 200 medley relay. It seems like they win this race every single meet. Owen Phillips, Chris Lowry, Brian Lowry, and Tucker Ditchfield swam a 152.90. In the 200 intermediate, Chris Lowry won with a 2 minute 14.95 second swim. In the 50 freestyle, Owen Phillips got a victory, 23.14 seconds. Owen Phillips picked up another W in the 100 freestyle with a 51.39 second swim. In the 500 freestyle, Tucker Ditchfield was victorious, 5 minutes, 36.64 seconds. In the 200 freestyle relay, LP1, Chris Lowry, Jonathan New, Brian Lowry, and Owen Phillips at 1 minute, 37.63 seconds. And in the 100 breaststroke, Chris Lowry got another W, 1 minute, 9.10 seconds. Let's go to the bowling alley. Girls bowling, the Three Rivers Conference meet was decided on this glorious Wednesday. Kiwani won with a 36-12. St. Bede was second with a 36-02. Hall took third with a 31-66. Erie Prophetstown was fourth with a 31-66. And Mendota finished fifth at 30-73. For individual scoring, Maya Marocha from Kiwani won it all with a 564. Emma Nicoli from Hall Putnam County was second with a 534. Aubrey Acuntius from St. Bede was third with a 532. Coming in fourth was Hall Putnam County's Sarah Byer and Aspen Shikarith from Kiwani was fifth with a 445 three-game series. Wrestling Mats. St. Bede hosted a triangular with Morrison and Orion. Unfortunately for the Bruins, they lost both of them as they dropped to Orion 58-13 and just came shy of Morrison 33-27. Against Orion, St. Bede wins came at 285 from Mike Shaw's decision, 160 Garrett Conley's major decision, and 145 Logan Panetta, a first-round pin. Against Morrison, St. Bede picked up wins again at 145 as Logan Panetta had a decision win, 285 once again as Mike Shaw had a second round pin. Moving on to Thursday, January 19th, happy birthday mom, I already told you once, took you out to dinner and a basketball game, but I'm going to say it again on the podcast. You might listen to this in three months, and when you do, hopefully you're smiling to know that I said happy birthday. But also going on on this Thursday, January 19th, on the wrestling mats, Kiwani lost to Orion 45-33. Wins for Kiwani came at 106. Kingston Peterson via pin at 126. Ben Taylor got a pin. 132 was another pin, this time from Waylon Lamberth. 138, Will Taylor won via 8-1 decision. 152, Max Kelly scored a pin. And Jackson Hicks also scored a pin at 160. Princeton defeated LaSalle Peru 54-24. And in the triangular, Oregon defeated Rock Falls 52-20. And Dixon knocked off Oregon 44-18. For Oregon against Rock Falls, the Hawks had four pins in the victory. 
Girls Hoops, the Tri-County Conference Final, was on Thursday, January 19th, as Putnam County defeated Seneca 37-34. In the third-place game, Roanoke-Benson beat Marquette 66-38. And in the consolation title, Midland defeated Dwight 49-47. Outside of the Tri-County Conference Tournament, Hall knocked off Mendota 44-14. For the Lady Red Devils, Haley Pellegrini had 13 points and Kennedy Wozniak had 10 points. For Mendota, the Lady Trojans, Rihanna Brandt had 7 points. Indian Creek knocked off Hiawatha 30-27. For Indian Creek, Isabella Turner had a monster double-double of 27 points and 14 rebounds. At the McLean County Heart of Illinois Conference Tournament, Semi-final action, Deer Creek Mackinac knocked off Fieldcrest 53-40. For the Knights, Carolyn McGow had 23 points. Newman beat St. Bede 46-33. Earlville 50, Depew 22. Princeton got a 9-point victory over Kiwani 57-48. DeKalb lost to Matea Valley 53-49. Streeter lost to Hersher. 51 to 19, and Serena beat Hinkley Big Rock by 30, 56 to 26 in a Little Ten Conference semifinal. The boys' side of things: the McLean County Heart of Illinois Conference Tournament fifth place semifinals. El Paso Gridley beat Leroy 50 to 43. For the Titans, Chauncey Maxson 22 points and eight rebounds. Micah Meese had 13 points. Outside of the tournament. Hinkley Big Rock squeaked past Harvest Christian 44-42. Ben Hinchke had a 17-point showing for the Royals of Hinkley Big Rock. In boys swimming, DeKalb fell to Nequoia Valley. Friday, January 20th, boys hoops, Heart of Illinois Conference, Fieldcrest 49, Lexington 48. That was the semifinal. Brady Russman had 15 points for the Knights. Outside of the Heart of Illinois Conference, McLean County Tournament. Kiwani beat Mendota 52-45. For Kiwani, Brady Clark 17 points. Blaze Lewis and Cottrell Reed had 11. Mendota was led by Rafa Ramiro's 14 points. And Kale Strauss had 10. Girls Basketball, Amboy 31, Forreston 27. For the Lady Clippers, Meeve Larson had 9 points. Four rebounds and three steals. On the wrestling mats was the Bob Mitten invite. 21 teams competed. Amboy brought seven wrestlers, which helped the Clippers finish in 16th place with 60.5 points. Riverdale won the invite with 255 points. For Amboy, at 113 pounds, Landon Blanton finished third. 138, Josh McKendry was fifth. 132, Levi Near was 6th, and at 120, Chase Monavon finished 6th. Saturday, January 21st, Boys Bowling Sectionals. If you don't know anything about IHSA postseason bowling, there is no classes whatsoever. Doesn't matter if you go to a school of 50 people or if you go to a school of 60,000 people, you may play each other at some level in the postseason. At the Plainfield North sectionals, just so you know how bowling goes, six teams 
and seven individuals advance to the next round. So if we're in a sectional, you're a top six team or a top seven individual, you are moving to state. So here are the qualifiers from the sectionals. Plainfield North sectional, Lincoln Way West won with a 62-17. Yorkville advanced with a fourth place finish of 60-60. And LaSalle Peru was 12th with 58-12. For Yorkville, senior Dale Horstman had a 14-10 six-game series. Junior Thomas Booker, 12-33. Senior Andrew Hellyer, 12-09. Junior Andrew Lipinskis, 11-33. And senior Jesus Villa, 10-75. At the Rockford-Guilford sectional, Hananiga won it all with a 65-44. Sycamore finished 8th, missing the qualifying spot by two spots with a 56-76. Individually, Mendota Jr. Landon Bauer advances to state with a 13-12 six-game series. Also joining him were area bowlers Oregon sophomore Gavin Sumo with a 1,300. Dixon sophomore Clark Bonwell with a 1,286. And Sycamore senior Evan Borowitz with a 1,266. The competitive dance sectionals. The top six teams in each class. So each sectional has a 1A, a 2A, and a 3A. So the top six of each class advances to the state meet. At the Washington sectional in 1A, Morris won it all with an 89.87. Streeter was second with an 81.20. Fieldcrest was fourth with a 79.87, advancing Morris, Streeter, and Fieldcrest to state. Tenth was Hinkley Big Rock with a 69.97. Sterling came in 11th with a 69.23. And Kiwani was 14th with a 65.80. In 2A at the Washington sectional, Joliet Catholic won it with a 90-97. Ottawa advanced to state with a 6th place finish of 79-33. Yorkville with a 76-20 was 9th. And with a 69, LaSalle Peru finished 14th. At the South Elgin sectional, the 1A champs were Mundelein Carmel with an 83-83. And advancing to state with a 5th place finish was the Rochelle Lady Hubs with a 78-83. 2A at the South Elgin sectional, Fox Lake won it with an 84-83, and Sycamore finished 11th with a 78-60. At the Geneva sectional, and this was kind of cool, they had a 2A1 and a 2A2, because I guess there's a lot of 2A schools. DeKalb finished second to advance to state with an 87-20, as they trailed Whitney Young 89-60. Boys Hoops from January 21st, the McLean Tournament Heart of Illinois Conference Championship game, which was the 111th championship game for this tournament. It's been around for a little bit, you know, just a couple years. Number seven seeded Fieldcrest knocked off number two Eureka 48-44. Landon Mudro led the Knights with 21 points. Amboy lost to Warren 62-33 despite Eddie Jones 15 points. Stillman Valley squeaked past Mendota 59-57. For Stillman Valley, Owen Dunseth had 16 points, Alex Ron 11, and Brett Pierce 10. Mendota was led by Isaiah Nanez as 26 points, Isaac Guzman had 13, and Rafa Ramiro had 12. 
Princeton beat Ottawa 58-38. I was at that game filming. And Indian Creek defeated Westminster Christian 62-40. For Indian Creek, Jeffrey Probst had 32 points and Logan Schrader had 10. Stand on the basketball court, this time for the girls. The McLean County Heart of Illinois Conference Tournament. The third place match, Fieldcrest beat Eureka 56-48. The Knights of Fieldcrest were the number one seed in the tournament, lost in the semifinal. Eureka was the three seed, also lost in the semifinal. They met in the third place game. For Fieldcrest, Ashlyn May, 17 points. Carolyn McGow, 14 points. Macy Gokenauer, 12 points. And Caitlin White, 10 points. Outside of the tournament, Anawan 65, Knoxville 40. For Anawan, Bella Van Otdorp had 16. Olivia Goodley had 13. Stillman Valley 61, Mendota 19. Rihanna Brandt had 12 points and 13 rebounds. A nice little double-double for Mendota. Dixon 42, Oregon 11. For Dixon, Ella Govig had 14 points. Rochelle 36, Morris 31. For Morris, McKenna Boyle had 18 points. Landry Callahan had 7 points and 10 rebounds. The LaSalle Peru Ottawa Co-op hosted Morris and Pontiac in a Cavalier pentathlon. LaSalle Peru won it with a 15-322. Pontiac was second with a 14-445. And Morris was third with a 13-379. The top four finishes individually in the pentathlon. Nolan Dietz of Pontiac was first with a 42-66. Owen Phillips for LaSalle was second with a 40-44. Chris Lowry for the LP Ottawa Co-op had a 40-03. Cameron Jones of Morris came in fourth with a 39-92. Wrestling, the Interstate 8 Conference Tournament for Sandwich. Here were their five medalists. At 113, Ashlyn Strenz finished fourth. 138, Miles Quarter was first. 145, Cy Smith was third. 152, Nolan Bobey was third. And at 170, Bryce Decker took second. Monday, January 23rd, girls basketball. Fieldcrest knocked off Fisher 58-25. This victory gave the Knights the small school division conference championship in the heart of Illinois conference for Fieldcrest. Carolyn McGowell, 14 points and 10 rebounds for a double-double. Haley Carver, 14 points. Ashlyn May, 12 points. And Caitlin White, 11 points. Anawan beat Wethersfield, 65-36. For the Braves, Bella Van Opdorp had 21 points. Olivia Goodley, 15 points. And Kennedy Rico had 12 points. With Rico's 12 points, she became the seventh Brave to have a game with double-digit scoring. St. Bede, 56, Mendota, 36. For the Lady Bruins, Allie Bosnich had 23, and Lily Bosnich had 13. Fort Mendota, Rihanna Brandt had 17 points. Dixon, 52, DeKalb, 33. For Dixon, Ariana Smith and Bertasha Long combined for 29 points off the bench. Streeter fell to Wilmington, 52-39. For Streeter, Kaylee Gwaltney had 13 points. Kiwani fell to Monmouth Roseville, 51-28. Princeton beat Hall, 46-32. Burrow Valley knocked off Newman, 43-41. In overtime, Seneca beat Marquette, 68-62. 
For, for Seneca, Kennedy Hartwig had 24 points. Marquette was led by Lily Craig's 12 points, 5 assists. Avery Durden's 21 points, 9 rebounds. And Chloe Larson's 15 points. Boys Hoops, the first round of the Tri-County Conference Tournament. As the girls wrapped theirs up, the boys started theirs. In the first round, Seneca, the top seed in the tournament, beat the number 8, Low Point Washburn, 62-23. to The number 2 seed, Marquette, knocked off number 7, Woodland, 68-39. Outside of the tournament, Oregon beat Amboy, 60-53. For the Hawks, Noah Johnson had 20 points, and Jordan Krogert had 10. For the Clippers, Eddie Jones had 22, and Troy Anderson had 12. Boys swimming, LaSalle, Peru, Ottawa, Co-op, and Kiwani met with Washington in a triangular. Kiwani scored two, LaSalle, Peru, Ottawa scored 67, and Washington won with a 101. Winners for LaSalle, Peru, 200 medley relay. LaSalle, Peru's Bo Whittle, Chris Lowry, Brian Lowry, and Owen Phillips swam a 1 minute 48.67. 200 freestyle, Jonathan New won with a 2 minute 1.50 second swim. 50 freestyle, Owen Phillips, 23.04 seconds. The 500 freestyle, Tucker Ditchville claimed it with 5 minutes 34.27 seconds. The Cavalier Co-op won another relay, 200 freestyle relay, Chris Lowry, Jonathan New, Brian Lowry, and Owen Phillips swam 1 minute 35.74 seconds. At the bowling alley, St. B defeated Mendota 25.09 to 21.98. For the Lady Bruins, Aubrey Acunches had a 5.94 and the Lady Trojans were led by Taylor Schwagerman's 4.42. Tuesday, January 24th, boys basketball, the second night of the Tri-County Conference Tournament. Number four, Midland, fell to number five, Dwight, 68-57. For Midland, Brett Smith had 19 points. In the other first-round matchup of the night, number six, Roanoke Benson, scored 46 to just beat number three, Putnam County, which had 44. 46-44 for Roanoke Benson to beat Putnam County. That is a traditional Tri-County Conference Tournament game. They are usually close. And these two teams, for some odd reason, have each other's numbers. For Roanoke Benson, Jude Zeller scored 19. And for Putnam County, Jackson McDonald had 26. Outside of the tournament, El Paso Gridley fell to Hayworth 41-40. For EPG, Micah Meese had 22 points. Princeton defeated Kiwani 66-44. This moved Princeton to 23-0, which was a school record for the most consecutive wins. For Kiwani against Princeton, Brady Clark scored 24 points. Earlville 55, IMSA 54. For Earlville, Ryan Browder 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. Woof! Adam Waite 10 points, and Garrett Cook had 9 assists. Hall beat Mendota by 5, 60-55. As Makrasetich had 19, Ashton Pecker had 16, and Di Payton had 13 for the Red Devils. And for the Mendota Trojans, Rafa Ramiro had 27 points and Isaiah Nanez had 11 points. Sterling beat Galesburg 78-56. Fieldcrest 64, Tremont 41. Landon Mudro had 24 points for the Knights. DeKalb 
beat Kalen by one point, 64 to 63. For the Barbs, Daryl Island had 24 and Devon Grant had 13. In a press release that was sent to us, Kishwaukee River Conference added Plano and Sandwich, which we already talked about, but here were some of the details. So Plano and Sandwich are going to be added for the next sports year, so 2023-2024, for all sports except football. Plano and Sandwich will still compete in the Interstate 8 for football next season, but the year after, beginning in the fall of 2024, Plano and Sandwich will be in the Kishwaukee River Conference for football. The Kishwaukee River Conference was created in 2015, so they're eight years in and you know, reformatting. Seems to be a very, very popular thing in high school sports every single year. Girls Basketball Streeter 42, Flanagan Cornell Woodland 27. For the Lady Bulldogs, Ellie Iserman had 13. Newark 49, Marquette 45. Marquette was led by Avery Durden, 16 points, and Lily Craig's 14 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 steals. Sycamore beat Morris, 61-22. Wrestling, Oregon 36, Stillman Valley 31. The wins for Oregon came at 120, Preston LeBay via pin. 132, Ethan Morey a pin. 138, Lane Halverson had a pin. 145, Seth Stevens won via a 3-1 decision. At 160, Anthony Bauer had an 8-6 decision. 170, Gabe Eckerd won via pin. And 182, Quentin Berry secured a pin as well. Wins for Stillman Valley. 113, Mac Jones, 7-0 decision. 152, Jack Sechrist, a 6-0 decision. 182, Andrew Forcer, 19-7 major decision. And at 220, Braxton Jennings won via a 6-1 decision. In an invite hosted by Plano, Plano defeated Genoa Kingston 57-21, Aurora Central Catholic 60-6, and East Aurora 55-9. Wins for Plano came from Richie Emakiri, Oscar Cervantes, Alex Diaz, Gio Diaz, Shane Downs, Trivion Guilford, Daniel Hooker, and Isaac Ulrich. In a triangular between Putnam County Hall, Rock Ridge, and Erie Prophetstown, Putnam County Hall fell to Rock Ridge 60-12 and Erie Prophetstown 54-21. At 285 pounds, James Irwin had a 3-1 decision against Erie Prophetstown. The last day that we're going to talk about today, Wednesday, January 25th, in boys basketball, the Tri-County Conference Tournament Championship Bracket Semifinals. Number one, Seneca beat number five, Dwight, 80-53. to For Seneca, Paxton Gertz had 25 points and Lance Province had 17. In the other semifinal, number two, Marquette, defeated number six, Roanoke Benson, 63-26. to for the Crusaders, Griffin Walker and Tommy Durden had 12 points apiece. And for Roanoke Benson, Zeke Carefoot had 10 points. Outside of the tournament, Genoa Kingston beat Indian Creek 66-39. For Indian Creek, Jeffrey Probst had 16 points. Earlville fell to Flanagan Cornell Woodland 47-44. For Earlville, Ryan Browder had 19 points. Polo beat Amboy 38-34. Polo's Brock Soltau 
had 15 points. And for Amboy, Eddie Jones had 17 and Troy Anderson had 13. Girls side of things, Anawan 54, Galva 32. Anawan was led by Bella Van Opdorps, 15 points. Oregon bested Hinkley Big Rock, 59 to 46. Hadley Lutz had 28 points for Oregon, while Anna Herman had 14 points for Hinkley Big Rock. On the wrestling mats, Mendota 36, Streeter 33. Mendota's wins came at 132 from Gavin Evans, 138 Jose Hermosillo, and 285 Angel Serrano. For Streeter at 113, Pollitt got a pin, 152 Warwick got a pin, 182 Lopez secured a pin, and at 220 Radke won via 14-9 decision. The 25th being a Wednesday, the rankings came out. Four boys at 4A. Yorkville received one vote. They were 10 away from the 10th spot in 4A. 2A, Princeton remained the top spot in the class with a 23-0 record. In 1A, Hinkley Big Rock received one vote. They were 19 votes away from the top 10. In girls basketball, 2A, Byron, the number four spot, with a 23-2 record. Princeton was number 9 at 21-2. Fieldcrest received 4 votes. They were 12 away from the top 10. That is win, lose, our stat for this episode. Showcasing what our players, coaches, teams are able to do and are doing at a very high level in this winter sports season. Have you heard the news? First Aid Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account? Pay off a high interest credit card? Or take the vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries. You can apply for one of those online also. Check out FSB Premier's account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. One of the best times of the year. I watched it with a bunch of friends. We had a great time, lots of food. Great halftime show from Rihanna. I'm not a huge fan of hers, but she performs well. Of course, the baby bump was all the talk between everybody that was there and everybody on social media and everybody the next day, everywhere you went and talked about the Super Bowl. That's what we do, right? But it was also a great game as the Chiefs beat the Eagles 38-35 in Super Bowl 57. It's what I was hoping for. Wanted offense, we got offense. Wanted some cool defensive plays, we got some cool defensive plays. We saw the chess match that football is. That's exactly what it is, and that's exactly what this game was, and it was amazing. I did a prop bet sheet with all kinds of different things. What color was Rihanna going to wear for her first outfit? The options were black, gold, and other. I did two sheets. One I put black, one I put other. I did two sheets. There was 12 props. I had eight on one, and I had six on another. I did okay, but didn't win nothing, so it is what it is. I wish... The MVP 
of the Super Bowl would have been a prop bet because I would have went Patrick Mahomes, and he was the MVP. Through 21 of 27, 182 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yes, 182 in football in 2023 does not seem like he did anything, but it came mostly in the second half. Game tied, really close, and Mahomes made the plays and did the things that the face of the league, not the team, the entire league, somebody that has been to five straight AFC championship games and has now been to three Super Bowls in the last four and has won two of them, does. He excelled and got his team into the position where it needed to be to win the game. That's what an MVP does. Jalen Hurts, the Philadelphia quarterback, an amazing game. 27 of 38, 304 yards, one touchdown, and he did lose a fumble that resulted in seven points for the Chiefs as it was picked up, brought to the house for a touchdown. So he did have the blemish and he lost. If you lose a game, you're not going to be the MVP. That's just how it is. I don't know, even back in the day, sure, you can put up a million points and have great stats across the board. But if you lose, your team doesn't win, how are you the most valuable? You were the most valuable to yourself, but you weren't the most valuable to your team. And looking at their performances, Patrick Mahomes made the plays, whether they were big or not, that kept the chains moving for the Chiefs and eventually the points and won the game. That's what he did. That's why he's the MVP. And honestly, if it wasn't the players, if it didn't have to be a player, and I don't know if it has to be, what about a coach? Because Andy Reid's game plan against the Philadelphia Eagles, especially in the second half, was golden. Golden. If there's another coach in there, I don't know if they win that game. First of all, he knows his players, his staff. He knows all that stuff really, really well. And he is an offensive genius. Instead of chucking the ball 50 yards down the field, eight-yard dump here, nine-yard dump here, eating clock. We're getting the ball down the field and we're scoring points. I think that's what you want to do. I think that's how you want to win a game. And Andy Reid made it look easy. Of course, Patrick Mahomes made it look easy, but he made it look easy because of the mastermind behind it, which is Andy Reid. The Chiefs ran 53 plays. And when they carried the ball, 6.4 yards per carry. The Eagles ran 72 plays, so 19 more plays. And when they ran the ball, 5.8 yards per carry. And I already said the passing yards, but Jalen Hurts had 304 for the Eagles and Patrick Mahomes had 182 for the Chiefs. I personally think Andy Reid is the Super Bowl MVP, but we do players, so it's Patrick Mahomes. On February 8th, the NFL announced their award winners. The MVP going to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not surprised at all. Jalen Hurts was right there. For a long time, Joe Burrow was right there. Uh, towards the, the second half of the season, he kind of started off pretty slow. But Patrick Mahomes, man, the dude, he is the new face of the league. He is going to be the guy to beat for at least the next 8 to 10 years. He is a stud. He's been in the league six years, a huge part of the Chiefs for the last five. And the dude can't go wrong. He gets hurt and he just keeps playing and he just keeps doing his thing. Offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson 
wide receiver for Minnesota Vikings. The dude is nuts. He had 128 receptions, became one of seven players to ever surpass 1,800 yards in a season. He had 1,809. He's awesome. I do not like the Minnesota Vikings whatsoever, but they have a gold mine in Justin Jefferson. Defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, defensive end for San Francisco 49ers. That dude is a stud. 18 and a half sacks, 51 tackles, two forced fumbles, 48 quarterback pressures, and he played 16 games. Bosa's a stud. He's a beast. I would not want to play against him. Offensive rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson. Wide receiver for the New York Jets. I mean, he did his thing. Him and a couple others, including the running back, Hall, who got hurt. But they are turning the New York Jets around. He was drafted 10th overall, finished with 83 carries, and had 1,103 yards and four scores. He is the first Jets rookie ever to reach 1,000 receiving yards. That's insane. He's the 23rd rookie in NFL history. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner, cornerback from the New York Jets. It's hard to measure what a defensive player does, but the New York Jets had a crazy Madden-like defense, and he was a huge part of it. Comeback Player of the Year, Geno Smith, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know how it would have been anybody else. This guy tore it up. He was first in the entire league in completion rate, 69.8%. Fourth in touchdown passes with 30. He broke Russell Wilson's single-season Seattle franchise record for completions with 399, passing yards 4,282, and completion rate, the 69.8. That's pretty crazy. He tore it up. Good for him. Coach of the year, Brian DeBall. New York Giants, I would personally go with the New York Jets coach, Rob Calbrisi, but I do know that they're always talking about how the front end of the New York Jets is awful and yada, 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 but he turned an awful, awful, awful team. Yeah, they got some young talent and stuff like that, but he turned them into a contender that you thought they could beat people during the middle of the season that they shouldn't have had any business beating. The Giants were sort of the same, but it relied on one dude, and that's Saquon Barkley. And if he doesn't stick around, one of the worst teams in the league. All right, let's get to our guy, Devin. Let him tell us what he thought was going to happen in the Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl time, so you know what this means. We got to have Devin Masters back on the podcast. Devin, my dude, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Are you ready for the Super Bowl? I mean, it seems like the Super Bowl came really fast. Like the season was started, and then it snapped fingers, and it was over. Yeah, I mean, this year in the NFL, it started September 10th, September 9th, one of those days, and it just flew by the whole season then. Uh, it's been an outstanding year for lots of franchises, uh, lots of new faces and new places, and we got two of the best teams squaring off in the Super Bowl, rightfully so. They're each number one in their respectful divisions. We're in for a show come Sunday. And they were number one in their conferences, which is the most important. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jalen Hurts has played phenomenal football all year long. 
all this talk on the outside saying that he can't do this, he can't do that, he's just been proven all those naysayers wrong all year long. True definition of they tell you you can't, you go after it and you do it. No doubt, and he's done exactly that. So we'll start right there. I mean, it's the Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles. I know you're a Chiefs fan, so I'm guessing you're going the Chiefs. Yes, sir, all the way. You're a huge Chiefs fan, right? Yes, I am. Yes, I am, indeed. I always wondered why. Why are you a Chiefs fan? Well, uh, looking back on it, I became a Chiefs fan when Matt Castle used to be the quarterback, way back when. And then uh, after him, they had Nick Foles for a, a short stint of time. And then uh, Alex Smith was in town. And then I think it was 2017 or 18, they drafted Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes has turned the franchise around and put them in the right direction. Five straight AFC championship games at home in five straight years that he's been in the league is just outstanding. I mean, what more can you say? He's obviously learned from one of the greatest quarterbacks of my eyes to play the game of football, Alex Smith. He wasn't as great as like Tom Brady or Kurt Warner or uh, Aaron Rodgers per se. He was still great in his own right. And uh, I think Mahomes learned a lot from him. And Mahomes has this thing about him where everybody calls him Magician Mahomes because of the way he throws the football, slings the football. The one minute you see it go overhand, next minute you see an underhand toss. So you never know what to expect from Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense. I totally agree with that. I think that the Chiefs are going to win. That's who I'm going with as well. I am not a huge fan, but I do respect everybody that's on that squad. Travis Kelsey, the only really, really good tight end still in the league. If you play fantasy football, if you didn't have Travis Kelsey, you just had a guy. There wasn't even really any other names. Mark Andrews didn't do much. Greg Kittle didn't really do much throughout the season. It was Travis Kelsey, and that was it. I am very interested to see... The Kansas City defense against this Philadelphia Eagles offense because the Eagles have been soaring over everybody. Absolutely. And the Eagles' offensive front is obviously the best offensive line in the league today. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Spads and his defense uh, come up with a game plan and routine design plan to stop the Eagles offense and it's going to be interesting to see uh, Chris Jones, uh, Frank Clark and uh, Nick Bolton how they're going to go about their game plan on Sunday and try and stop this mighty fine Eagles offense I mean because once the Eagles get going they're just like the Chiefs they're hard to stop once they get their momentum rolling it's like a freight train you ain't stopping talking about the Chiefs though they beat Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship, and yes. I do like the Chiefs, don't get me wrong, and I do like the Bengals, who I thought were going to beat the yeah. Chiefs. It came down to one play, one penalty, and the Chiefs in the post game acted like they just beat the Cincinnati Bengals by 50 points. I didn't really like that because, hey, if, I didn't either. if Patrick did Mahomes doesn't get hit by the defender and they get the 15-yard penalty to make the field goal better, they might not win that game right there. I agree. I agree 110% with you, Brandon. I agree. So, uh, the only reason I bring this up is because there's football karma gods. 
and karma yes. is a huge deal. And yes, yes. I do feel like if the, the Chiefs lose, then that moment is going to resonate. Be like, hey, this might have been a karma snapping them in the face because they got super cocky when they got a W because of a penalty. And now they're going to act like this. I'm just saying it could happen. It could. It could. But I'm hoping it don't. Another thing to talk about is the Rocky Balboa statue in Philadelphia and how it has cursed the last seven teams that have played Philadelphia, whether that be in the Super Bowl, conference championship game, a regular game, or a playoff game. The Giants were the last ones to have a witness of that curse. And Travis Kelsey warned the Chiefs fan base, do not put a Chiefs jersey on Rocky Balboa statue in Philadelphia. And I guess there is somebody that has already done so, and they say that the Rocky curse is a real thing. So we will find out tomorrow how, how real that curse is. And a streak Patrick Mahomes will look to snap on Sunday is uh, beating the MVP curse. Once you win the league MVP in the same year you play the Super Bowl, the last quarterbacks to have all done so have all lost in the Super Bowl. Starting in 2001 was Kurt Warner. He lost. 2002 was Rich Cannon. He lost. 2005 was Sean Alexander. He lost the Super Bowl. 2007 was Tom Brady, the greatest event quarterback to ever play the game. He lost. Peyton Manning. He lost. Peyton Manning again. He lost. In 2015, it was Cam Newton. He lost. And 16, it was Matt Ryan. You can't forget that game. 28-3 and... Yeah, Patriots come back and beat him. And then uh, 2017 was Tom Brady against Philadelphia, and he lost again. So it's going to be very interesting to see if Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense can beat this curse and that Rocky Balboa curse. But like you said, Brandon, uh, this karma thing is a real thing in football, and it might come back and bite the Chiefs in the ass come Sunday. We will all find out, I suppose. We sure will. We sure will. I just want it to be a offensive-dominated game. I, don't get me wrong. Defensive football is cool, and I respect it, and, you know, that's awesome. A couple of hits, a couple of interceptions. That would be, be cool to see, you know, fumbles, whatever. But I want to see these two offenses go nuts. I do, too. I, I want to see some high-flying offense down the field and back the whole game. The point spread right now in the Caesar Sportsbook says that there should be a 51-point scoring game. We shall see what it turns out to be. Might become one of the highest-scored Super Bowl games in history of football. We will all find out tomorrow, I suppose. We sure will. The most important question, though, Devin, are you going to watch Rihanna at halftime? Absolutely. Rihanna is one of the best uh, musicians, artists out there. One of my favorite songs that she duetted with was with Eminem was uh, Monsters Under Your Bed or something like that. That is one of the best songs I've ever heard of Rihanna's. Good stuff. So you are going to be tuning in. I probably will, too, just to check it out. Why not? Why not? You know, why not? And uh, obviously, folks, you don't want to miss the Super Bowl commercials. Those are going to be pretty good this year from what I've heard. Hopefully. And I wonder what... uh the target audiences, because last year it was aimed at my generation, my age group, hard. Every TV show, 
cartoon character, movie, popular song, popular food item from our generation when we were growing up was marketed right at us. And that lets me know that my generation, the uh, 35 to 40 age range, kind of controls the spending in America because that's what those commercials are made to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully, they're aiming at your age demographic so they go after your money, Devin. That would be something if they did. But I guess we can get back to the Super Bowl. I mean, there's not really much more to say. Offense is what we want to see, and uh, hopefully that's what we get, Devin. Oh, yeah, we will. And we're going to see some good plays on defense, not many, because of the offense. But uh, I expect big play Darius Slay to make a, a big play for the Eagles through defense. And then looking on the other side of the football with Kansas City, Legereus Need is going to be in the Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the top corner for Kansas City has been out the last three weeks. He will be playing Sunday. I expect him to make a big play for the Kansas City defense as well. Well, Devin, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for joining us around this time just about every year. Try to get you on a couple other times. But Super Bowl, got to talk to my friend Devin Masters. Thank you for joining Adversity Podcast as always, my friend. Absolutely, my pleasure. Let's talk some NBA trades before we get to Grady Jones, John Holland, and Matt Novak. The NBA trade deadline was February 9th, and the 8th, the 9th, there was all kinds of deals coming through. Except for the Chicago Bulls, they did absolutely nothing. Stayed with the team they had, and I heard on the radio today that their excuse or their reasoning for not making any moves was because the Eastern Conference is wide open in the NBA. This is true, but you do not have a team to get out of the first round. Sorry, you don't. I don't know why. My friends and I talk about this all the time. We actually like the team. We think it could be great, but for some odd reason, something's just not clicking. Don't know what it is. I'm not a coach, so I couldn't tell you, but there's something not clicking. I think it could be size. I think it could be Vucevic always on the outside. I think it could be Pat Williams always just standing on the three-point line looking for a shot. I think it could be just stagnant, not a lot of cuts, not a lot of moves. could be a bunch of things, but something or all of it needs to change if they think they're doing anything, but I don't think they're getting out of the first round. And I'm not trying to be a hater. I would love for them to go as far as they can. I just don't think they can. But the biggest trade of them all was a four-team trade that sent Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. So the Suns get Durant and TJ Warren. The Nets get Mikel Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Juan Pablo Villette, and then listen to these draft picks. First round selections in 2023, 2025, 2027, a first round swap in 2028, second round pick in 2028, a first round pick in 2029, and a second round pick in 2029. That is a lot of overhaul for the Nets. The Milwaukee Bucks got Jay Crowder, and the Pacers got George Hill, Sergio Baca, Jordan Naura, and three future second-round picks from Milwaukee and cash considerations from Brooklyn. I think the loser of this trade is the Pacers. George Hill's cool, but he's older, got maybe a year or two left. Sergio Baca, to me, is done. And Jordan Naura, uh, he's not really an NBA player. Second-round picks, eh, eh. There was like 45 second-round picks that switched hands between NBA franchises on the day 
of the trade deadline. That is insane. But that shows how much they don't mean anything and they don't really come up with great value. They can. I'm not saying there's never been a great second round pick, but but it is very slim or doesn't happen enough if they're shopped around like that. So I think the Pacers lost the trade. The Bucks are probably third just because Jay Crowder is a good role player, but he's going into a team with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. So he's a fourth option. He's just going to be a guy to get rebounds and hit a three occasionally. So cool player, probably really good for the Bucks. But if you look at the other two teams, not a top two team that won in this trade. I'm going to say that the second winningest team is the Phoenix Suns. They got the best talent, one of the best talents in the league in Kevin Durant, but they lost almost all of their depth and they have to rely on an aging Durant, an old Chris Paul, a Devin Booker who's been hurt off and on all season, and DeAndre Payton who at times is amazing and at times falls off a cliff. You have to rely on these four players to get you a championship because this is your window. After this year, I think that window closes. They're just getting a year older. The West is very, very formidable. There's good teams everywhere. I think if the Phoenix Suns don't win this NBA championship this year, then this trade was a bad idea and hurts the franchise moving forward. But if they win it, then of course they win this trade. They win the championship. They win all the accolades in the world. But putting that on the situation that I just described, I just don't know how you could say that you won this trade over the Nets. You got Mikel Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and tons of picks. Are you going to win this year? Absolutely not. You just tanked for the season or, you know, fell off a cliff to get right back up because you just put so much depth. You need one star, two star to be a top contender, but you're one star away in the free agency or a draft from being a great phenomenal team. And you have young talent and guys that know how to play the game. So I'm going with Nets as the winner in terms of foreseeable future. Suns will be the number one team in this trade if they win the NBA championship this year. But if they don't, then they just wasted a lot of pieces. Clippers get Mason Plumlee, Hornets get Reggie Jackson, and a 2028 second round pick. I love Reggie Jackson, but he's going to the Hornets with a lot of guards. Rogier, Lamella Ball, Dennis Smith Jr. I think Reggie Jackson's better than the other two except Ball. Ball's by far the best, and then you got Reggie Jackson. They're all point guards to me, or at least their bodies are point guards. You know, a lot of them like to shoot first, but I think it's way too many guards. Mason Plumlee is going to be a good fit in for the Clippers. And the funny thing is, is I starred this when I was writing this down and put that the Hornets won the trade. But now that I'm thinking about it and talking about this and looking at the guard depth for the Hornets, I'm going with the Clippers. They won with Mason Plumley because that dude is a rebounding monster. He's a good defender and he can put up points if he needs to. Four team trade, 76ers get Jalen McDaniels. Hornets get Cy Mikulovica. I said that real wrong, but I'm not going to repeat it because I'm just going to say it even worse. Portland Trailblazers get Cam Reddish, Matisse Thibel, and I can never say this dude's name when he was with the Chicago Bulls, Ryan Archicano. I know I said it wrong. Forgive me. And the Knicks get Josh Hart. 
I think the Blazers won this trade. Cam Reddish is an up-and-coming star. Matisse Thybul was really good with the Philadelphia 76ers. Jalen McDaniels is cool. I don't know anything about the guy that the Hornets picked up with the name that I just butchered. And I love Josh Hart, but the Knicks, man, I just don't know about Josh Hart with the Knicks. Don't know how that fit's going to be. I think the Trailblazers giving Dame Lillard some guys around him that can run the court, that can shoot, that can score, play some defense. I feel the T-Blazers won this trade. Three-team trade, Clippers get Eric Gordon, Rockets get John Wall and Danny Green, and the Grizzlies get Luke Kennard. If you ask me, Luke Kennard is the only guy out of these four that can still play. John Wall is just an injured mess that is just getting money and is going to see himself out of the league probably right after this contract is done. And Danny Green can shoot but can't really do anything else. Eric Gordon, kind of the same deal. Luke Kennard can shoot, plays a little bit of defense, but he's still got years left. And for the Memphis Grizzlies, a three-point spot-up shooter while everybody else is looking at John Morant and Jaron Jackson and Bain and all these other guys, Luke Kennard is just chilling, doing his Kyle Korver, knocking down threes. Great fit for him and for them. Four-team trade, Pistons get James Wiseman, Warriors get Gary Payton the second, three second-round picks from Atlanta, Hawks get Sadiq Bey, and the Trailblazers get Kevin Knox, five second round picks. Kevin Knox going to the Trailblazers, that's a good move for them. But I think the winner of the trade is the Hawks. Sadiq Bey is a really, really good player. He's a big that can get boards and stretch the floor. And they have John Collins and Clint Capella to be the big guys inside DeAndre Hunter. I just feel like Bey being a great hybrid is going to help this team out a lot. And they got great guards, obviously, in Trey Young, DeJounta Murray. Atlanta's got a lot, a lot of talent. Let's just see what they can do with it. Three-team trade. Jazz get Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, and a 2027 first-round pick. Lakers get D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and the T-Wolves get Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I had marked the T-Wolves as the winner of this trade, but honestly, I think I'm going to shift it to the Lakers. D'Angelo Russell should be a good fit. Malik Beasley, besides the deal with, you know, uh, Pippen's ex-wife, their son is on the team, and, you know, there's drama there, and the ex-wife and Malik Beasley were a thing, and blah, 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 you know, the TMZ thing. But if they can be adults and play, then there isn't anything to worry about. But I think that might be a better move for the Lakers as younger, probably move better. Russell Westbrook is a cancer at this point in his career. That's why I didn't even mention Jazz as a winner of this. He's probably not even going to stay there. He's going to be dumped off somewhere. I heard the Chicago Bulls, Billy Donovan, I guess, really wants him there. I hope he doesn't because he is a cancer. I don't think he's going to help you at all. But Mike Conley with the T-Wolves, I think is a good pick. A lot of assists for the guys around him. Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. But can he stay healthy? That's the key with Mike Conley. Raptors receive Jacob Fodel, while the Spurs get Keem Birch, a 2024 first-round pick, and 23 and 25 second-round picks. Raptors won this by far. As a center, he grabs boards, he scores everywhere. I think his first game, he scored 29 points with the Raptors. Good pick for them. They needed somebody like him. 
Mavericks get Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. Nets get Spencer Dinwiddie, Doran Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick and two future seconds. I talked about this on the last podcast, but thought I would add it since we're just talking about NBA trades here. Kyrie Irving is the cancer in the league. Nets get Spencer and Finney-Smith to go with Bridges, Cam Johnson, younger talent that if they get a star or two to have around those guys or the center and have those other guys around them, they could be really, really good. The depth, the role players that the Nets have is amazing. They just need a star or two. Kyrie Irving is going to be cool for a little bit, and then he's not going to be cool, and then he's going to be on another team or out of the league. Plain and simple. Have to mention the Dreamwave show on February 11th. The guest of our last podcast, Christian Rose, won the Dreamwave title. It was awesome. He did a great job. He's fantastic. The whole show was amazing. For us older guys, Hacksaw Jim Duggan was there. Raven was there. Shane Douglas was there. They brought in a guy from Chicago's AAA, AAA Wrestling. He was a cruiserweight. El Vikingo, just absolutely amazing. Nick Aldis was there. He put on a good show. It was a fantastic, fantastic event. Took my little nephews, and they absolutely loved it. Could not stop talking about it the next day. Well, that's all the stuff I wanted to talk about there. Let's get to our long-awaited guest, Grady Jones. Now a freshman at Mendota, but at this time, he was an eighth grader at Holy Cross, helping the Holy Cross boys bowling team win a IESA state championship. John Holland, Matt Novak were coaches for Holy Cross last year, have moved on to Mendota. These memories never, never, never forgotten. And as we're talking just a couple days after the state championship in April, you can hear it in their voice and what they're saying of how awesome, spectacular this moment was for them. Well, we're going to have some words with our sponsor, Mendota Ford, then Grady, then Holland, then words from Surf Internet, then Novak, and then we're going to call it a day. So until next time, peace. The Holy Cross Boys Bowling State Championship Conversations with Bowler Grady Jones and coaches John Holland and Matt Novak is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. The staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associate, Jason Hintz, pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Ski has lived in Princeton since he was five years old and has been with Mendota Ford for the last three years. He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for seven years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle of any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, 
check out www.MendotaFord.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. Two things I love right here. I love when people reach out and be like, hey, I'd love to be on your show. Let's talk. That's amazing. Means A, people are listening. B, you want to chat with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Who doesn't want that? That's why we're here. Second of all, youth. We have a lot of coaches and high school players and college players. And when we get the opportunity to have a young athlete, one in the making, a star in the making, come on the show. It's awesome. We got that right here. Grady Jones, a member of the Holy Cross bowling team. He's in eighth grade. Grady, thank you for reaching out and thank you for joining Edgeversity Podcast. No problem. You just got done doing something pretty awesome. Let's hear it. What did the Holy Cross bowling team just do? We just won the IESA State Bowling Tournament on Saturday, and we uh, had a pretty awesome comeback as well in the last two games. First of all, this past Saturday is in like two days ago, being it is Monday, April 11th? Yeah. So we're talking the 9th of April. Yes, sir. Awesome. Where was the tournament held? It was in Joliet at Town and Country Lanes. Okay, okay. First, before we get to the comeback, let's talk about winning that state championship. Eighth grade, final year in junior high, you're about to be in high school, and you go out with a state championship. How did that make you feel? It was awesome. Saturday was the best day of my life. I've never been more happy about anything. The best day ever? The best day ever. So better than a trip to Six Flags Great America? I've actually never been to Six Flags, so... All right, all right. Better than any birthday party? Yes. Better than Christmas? Yes. It was just the best? Yes. That's awesome. How did you bowl in the state tournament? Um, I bowled pretty good uh, the day before, actually, Friday. We had to get top 10 on Friday to go to Saturday. I bowled pretty well. I had a couple of down games, but I did bowl a one. It was like a 189 and then a 195 or something. And the 189 was the first game and the 195 was the second game. And then on Saturday, bowled okay. The first game, I just was struggling. So I got subbed out and then I came back in, hit some clutch shots. And then in the last game, I had a turkey that pretty much made it all she wrote and we were state champions. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Who is all part of this team? I mean, obviously you didn't do it by yourself, and you were subbed out. Who are the other guys on this team? Some of my best friends. Brody Hart, Aiden Tillman, uh, Cooper Novak, and Alex Holland were all on the team. They all both great. They were just as big of a part of the championship as I was. It, it was total team effort, and once again, it led to the, one of the best days of, all, I think, all of our lives. I know this might be a biased opinion, but who's the best bowler on the team? Um, I'm actually probably not going to say myself. The most consistent bowler on the team, in my opinion, is Brody Hart. Okay. Where do you think you fit in on the team? I had the fourth best average on the team this year. So that, and I fit in. I'm the energy guy that that gets everybody excited, and that's what I do. And I bowl strikes, get spares, and that's about it. <laughs> Perfect. So it does seem like it's a, a team there and that you guys are all just doing your thing to be part of this team. In my opinion, we were the best team there, but we were also the most. We didn't have one like amazing guy than just a bunch of um, other. OK, we had a bunch of great guys that can pop off and bowl a 235 at any time. 
anytime. It's like, hey, we got another guy that can do this. Yeah, like Aiden Bowl the 278, Brody Bowls 200s a lot. I bowl 235s, Alex Holland. He can pop off at any time. Cooper Novak, I think he bowled like a 234 when he was like eight years old. So it was just a total team effort to win this thing. Have you guys been bowling together for quite a while? Oh, yeah. Uh, we started when we were kindergarten at the Elks morning league on Saturdays. We weren't as good as we are now, obviously, but that is really what started, and that's where we are today. That is fantastic. What got you started or interested in bowling? Actually, it was at a um, Sunday school for my church, and my buddies were there. And then one of their moms came up to me and asked, Hey, do you want to start bowling with Brody and Alex and Cooper and Aiden on Saturday mornings? And I'm like, sure. And then I went home and asked my dad, and that's where it all got started. And you've been doing it ever since? Ever since, uh, yeah, I took a year off break last year, and then I came back. Because of COVID and stuff, we couldn't really get to the lanes as much, but now we're back and on best in the state. That is amazing. Again, congratulations. I know I already said it once, but I'll say it again because it deserves it. Thank you. Just mentioned that year off from COVID. I mean, everybody had things go on with COVID, things stop, things pause, cancel. How did that affect your game when you came back this year to, you know, attack the lanes? How was it? Did you have rust or did your body react like, hey, you gave me some rest. Now I'm ready to bowl. What was kind of the deal here? I had some rust a little bit, but it's just bowling. You can come back after a year or two off and you can still bowl what you were averaging. I mean, it wasn't a complete year off. I did bowl a little bit, but it wasn't, like, consistent, like, 10 games a week. Like, we, we, I've been bowling since bowling season started back in February. It just wasn't how it is. Maybe a couple games a week, but that's about it. Gotcha. So you had a little rust, bowled it off, and then, hey, you're a state champ. Yep. <laughs> how did the team react when it happened? I mean, did everybody just jump up and hug each other? Was there a lot of celebration? What happened when you figured out, like, hey, we're the state champs? I mean, when we went after the ninth game, we knew we were up by a little bit. But once we got to the second second frame, when my buddy Aiden, he's our last guy to bowl, he shoots a strike, and then I'm like, if we're going to shoot 700 this game, we're going to win this thing. Then after my buddy picked up, buddy Aiden again picked up a spare to win it. First off, I think I fell to one knee, kind of crying a little bit, and then I got up, and we were all jumping up and down like a kind of like a football football huddle and jumping up and down and celebrating. Then we got our trophy, came home, and had a police escort back to the Elks. We're all started. Nice. So you kind of had like a little parade through Mendota? Yeah, the police gave us an escort back, and then we had a little bit of a, like a little celebration at the Elks. Some food, and we bowled. I mean, it wasn't like how we usually bowl. We pulled two-handed with, with like house balls and stuff that we wouldn't normally use. We were just there to have fun, and that was Saturday. That's fantastic. So two days later, you're still on cloud nine. Like, hey, I'm still a state champ. I kind of came down off my pedestal Sunday night, which today's Monday. So, but I'm still kind of there. And it's just awesome because no one can take that away from me that you're a state champion. Have you talked to the rest of the guys about this feeling? And like, hey, we're state champs. What what does it mean to you guys as a collective? Uh, We haven't really talked much, but I know how much it means to everybody. We've It's just awesome. They're happy. I'm happy. It's awesome, too, because the rest of our class 
our eighth grade class was happy for us and cheering for us, and they even came and watched us Friday. So that was an awesome feeling to have them there as well. Awesome. So you had all kinds of support. All kinds of support. I can't thank them enough and can't thank everybody enough for all the support and all the things that they've done for us the past few days and had done for us the last 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty much your entire life. Yeah. I started bowling when I was five, so around nine years ago. Yeah, that's about your whole life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Thank you to, like, all the support from our class. Um, thank you to the owners of the Elks, Cassidy and Luke, for getting us to practice as much as they can, or the managers of the Elks. And um, thank you to our coaches. I mean, I can't thank them enough, Matt and John, for all they've done for me and all they've done for us to get us to where we are today. And I can't thank everybody enough. It's just, it's awesome. I can choke up just thinking about it. <laughs> It sounds like you're choking up now, which is super cool. I mean, you're proud. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm as proud as I'll ever be in my life. When you do drop names, we got to get last names in so we can give them the full shout-out. So the managers of Elks, we're talking about Cassidy Guerrero? Yes. Oh, uh, Luke Ross. And Luke Ross. He's been on your show before, too. I listened to that one. <laughs> yeah, when he went to state, I believe. I think he did, yeah. I actually used his um, bowling ball this whole weekend. He let me borrow it. I don't think I would have bowled how good I did without using that. So I think that really helped me all weekend. Definitely. What a good guy. Just to say, hey, you can use my ball. Yeah, I used it at practice um, the day before sectionals. He said, hey, take it. If you need it, you need it. And I, and I used it for one and a half games at sectionals, all 10 games at state. And then you mentioned your coaches. We had a John and a Matt. What are their last names? Uh, John Holland and Matt Novak. As we've been talking here, you've been talking about the coaches. What do they mean to you? I mean, it sounds like they've been in your bowling journey for pretty much the majority of it. What does it mean for you to help them win a state championship and for your team and these coaches to be able to do it all together? It means the world to me. I could tell how happy they were, too. They were as happy as us kids were. And to do it with some of my best friends in the world together, it's the best feeling in the world. I mean, this is how you end your Holy Cross bowling career with a state championship. I mean, this is probably going to be something you don't ever forget. I'll never forget this. It's awesome. I mean, I'll never forget Saturday, April 9th, 2022 in my life. Fantastic, my friend. But this isn't the only sport that you do. You have other opportunities to win state championships or hardware or medals or accomplishments in other sports. I know you're a pretty big golfer. Uh, yeah, I love golf. Is that something else you're going to do in Mendota? That's my plan for the fall, to golf and try and get back to state in the next four years. Did you go to state and golf in junior high? I went to sectionals, but I didn't get to state. There's no regionals or anything in golf either, so I made it this year, and I didn't shoot great at all, but it's whatever now. What is it about golf? I mean, I just picked it up last summer, so this is going to be my second summer playing some golf. What is it about it? I mean, when I was young, your age, I hated golf because I thought it was really boring and slow, and why would I waste my time for that? I was more into basketball, football, things that are fast, you're hitting, you know, stuff like that. At your age, what is it about golf that is attractive to you? It's that, like, you can't blow it for your team. You only can, like, blow it for yourself, so it's not like 
you're not like screwing up for your team and they'll be like your friends will be upset with you or anything it's that the only person that'll ever be upset with you is yourself the people you meet out at the golf course and the fun that i have out window to golf club every summer we're just watching golf is my favorite part about golf since we're here right now we're talking about golfers let's intertwine a little game because every guest on edge of your seat podcast or most guests at least we have play game let's play rank them i'm gonna throw you some golfers you tell me which golfer you like the best to the least or vice versa you can pick which one if you want to go one to five or five to one which way do you want to go i'll go five to one all right here are your five names we're gonna go the great tiger woods rory McElroy. I probably say his name wrong every single time. How do I really say that? Rory McIlroy. McIlroy. There we go. I even tried to phonetically write it, but I do butcher his name every time I say it. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, before we hit the record button that you listened to the Troy Bauer episode of Edge of Your Seat podcast when he won the uh, Illinois Valley Championship over the summer. And I know when I was talking to him, I also butchered Rory's name. So you're probably ready for that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So back to the game. We got Tiger Woods. We got Rory. We got Scott Scheffler, Dustin Johnson, and Phil Mickelson. What's the order here? I'll have to go with, just because I haven't known him a lot, Scotty Scheffler for five. Probably DJ for four. I mean, I like watching DJ, but the other three are probably my favorites. McElroy for the third, Tiger for the second, and Phil Mickelson for the first, just because he's left-handed, I'm left-handed, so us lefties got to stick together, you know? Phil Mickelson, I love watching him because he's also left-handed, so it's just awesome to watch his swing every weekend when he's playing. Grady Jones, now an IESA state champion. Thank you for reaching out, joining Edge of Your Seat podcast, and chatting with us about the best time of your life. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, no problem, man. We spoke with Grady Jones about the awesomeness of the Holy Cross bowling team winning an IESA state championship. We got to get the coaches' side of this. John Holland, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Sure, happy to be here. Uh, when I just called you or reached out so that Grady Jones you know, said, hey, I want to talk about this, you seem surprised, but not really, because I know you know that your team was pumped up about what they just did. They were really pumped up, really pumped up. They uh, did quite a big thing over the weekend, so. Has Holy Cross ever won a state championship in bowling? No, no, this is the first year, and I believe this is the first year that uh, Holy Cross has had a full team make it to the state finals. So they've had bowlers here and there, but not a full team? Correct. Yeah, um, they sent uh, four bowlers back in 2019. They had two boys and two girls go individually. With that said, I mean, what did it mean to these boys to see them, you know, bowling in a sectional, bowling in a state tournament and winning the reactions, the celebrations? What did it mean to you to be able to see that in them? It was really exciting to see. We had uh, a rough sectionals three-game series, um, but we were able to make it to the state finals. And then first day, they qualified to move on to the second day uh, in third place. They saw how many pins they were down. They said, we can do this. And they did it, and they fought. They fought hard. It was a lot of fun to see. You know, throughout the year, I mean, you're seeing these boys bowl and, you know, getting their scores up and, you know, how happy they are with it. 
when did you kind of realize that you had a team that was, you know, at this level that could be doing what they were doing? I have to tell you, we've known for years, <laughs> honestly. My son is also a part of the team, and all of these guys actually started bowling together at the Elks Lodge in Mendota when they were around five to seven years old. So they've been bowling for quite a few years, and I've seen, seen these guys come up three years bowling, and they've gotten pretty darn good since then. Grady, the one who uh, who actually reached out to you, I remember when he was five, I think his first game was a six. Not just a frame, I think the full game was a six. He's come a long way, they all have. Matt Novak and I, we decided to coach the Holy Cross team in 2020, and right before our first meet is when everything shut down for COVID. So we, we had to wait basically two long years to get our chance to do this. So it was a blast. And then it just happens to happen their eighth grade year, so they leave Holy Cross with this memory of like, hey, we're state champions. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. Two long years to wait, but man, did they, yeah, it was worth the wait. <laughs> It seems like it. It seems like it. And it sounds like every bowler, all the boys that you had, would take turns being the leader or, you know, just kind of chimed in and they were all really solid bowlers. That's exactly how it went down. And I actually had a coach after the tournament was over. He came up and he made a comment. He said, you know what? I don't recall ever seeing a state champion team that didn't have one of their players in the top 15 that medaled. Now, we did have Brody Hart that came in at 16th as an individual. But typically, you'll see one or two of the bowlers with the top 10 scores. But for our team, it was well-rounded. If somebody was having a rough game, another guy would pick them up. It's just awesome how these guys work together, play together, etc. Was that something else that you saw all season long and that you knew that they could do that for years? Oh, yeah, definitely. Perfect. I mean, what did it mean for you as coaches? I mean, sure. You've seen that there's talent. You've seen that they love the game. You see that they're friends. They bowl together well, uh, tear it up at Mendota Elks. But, you know, you travel. Uh, there's things that happen throughout a season and, you know, an injury or anything could happen for something to, you know, stop a great postseason run or a great season. Knowing that, what did you guys do as coaches to try to keep it all together and keep the boys' minds and, you know, game together to get to where you were at? Um... I, for these guys, you just got to crack a bunch of jokes, get their mind off of it. <laughs> Sometimes they can they can get in their own way, uh, you know, crack a joke, keep going, say, let's go, guys, and they just start rocking. That's pretty simple. Just say a couple jokes, get them laughing, and then they're striking it out. Yep. <laughs> I had to make your life a little easy. Well, you already talked to Grady, so you know he's kind of a jokester himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. We laughed a few times for sure. I liked him, though, because he was, like, confident but not cocky. Like, he walked that fine line pretty well. Yeah, he's he's a great kid. So it sounds like you guys have a lot of fun, a lot of jokes throughout the season, even, you know, in those teaching moments and things like that. Yep, 100%. So now that you got this uh, state title under your belt, are you going to walk away from the program? Are we staying? Are we going to try to do it again? Holy Cross is unique in the fact that usually it's parents that will – step up and coach a team, whether it be basketball, baseball, bowling, whatnot. And, of course, my son is moving on to high school, so I'm probably going to move on as well. I am not. I can't speak for Matt. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, we were hoping to have three seasons, 
to coach these boys together, but we got one, and uh, they made the most of it. And I don't want to leave anybody out. I don't think Grady did. He said all the boys, but just one more time so everybody gets their full shout-out, what they did for the team. Who was all on this team that are now IESA state champions? You got Brody Hart, who was our leadoff. You got Alex Howland, who was our second bowler. Third bowler was Grady Jones, and our anchor was Aiden Tillman. And our super sub was Cooper Novak. Awesome. So a five-person team, and they played their roles to a championship. To a T. Well, Coach John Holland, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It was a blast speaking with you about this pretty cool team, and congratulations for everything you were able to do in winning a championship. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Hello, Mendota. Resolve to make stronger connections with Surf Fiber Internet right now. Get two free Eero Wi-Fi routers with gig speed. And with all speed plans, you can add on a home phone for just $10 a month. Unlike the other guys, there's no contracts, hidden fees, or annual rate increases. Ever. Don't miss out. Call 844-955-SURF or visit surfinternet.com to make the switch today. Limited time offers, restrictions apply. I guess I'm going to interrupt our guest here and um, not let him cut trees for a good 5-10 minutes while we're talking here. But he might want to talk about this because he was part of the coaching staff with John Holland who led the Holy Cross boys bowling team to an IESA state championship just two days ago. Today being Monday, April 11th. They won it on Saturday, April 9th. Matt Novak, that had to be a pretty awesome feat, accomplishment for you and the team to win a state championship. Uh, yeah, it was. Some boys kind of had it in their mind that they could do it, put their mind forward and stepped up, practiced. They throw balls on the weekends all day long and everything. They worked hard for it. Got the job done. From what I've gathered so far is that this group of eighth graders was just really determined just to bowl. It doesn't seem like it mattered whether they got to the state tournament or won. They just wanted to bowl, and once they seen that they could do it, then they just rolled with it. Yeah, that's correct. Me and John got with, with the principal this year with Holy Cross and got a couple more meets. Um, other free line help reached out and gave me some more people to contact, so we got a couple more meets in, and then the boys got the vibe on the competition and really strived with it. Speaking with Coach John Holland, it sounded like you guys already knew what you had because they've been bowling together for a while. They've been in and out of the Mendota Elks, you know, putting time on the lanes. And it was just kind of like funneling it all together and helping them realize what they could do. Yeah, a couple of them bowl all the time with their dad. Uh, my boy Cooper's on the team. And him and Alex, John's boy, they always bowled in the youth league. And then Grady was in there and Brody bowled for a little bit. Tillman came in and bowled a little bit, so... They always kind of had a vibe, and they always want to beat each other, so they push each other, every single one of them, so it's it's pretty cool. And it also sounds like they're all friends, so they're all friends, they all get along, but they're competitive with each other, which usually means good things. Yeah, I mean, their whole class is like that. Even the guys that didn't make it to state, they pushed them. Um, some of those guys, you know, they started out bowling 80s, and we got them up to 130, a couple bowled 160, and they were excited, and... Those guys are running down there, high-fiving them when they got a trunky going and stuff like that. It's it's a great group all together, and then this 
this group that made it, they, they push each other really hard. Grady was telling me some of the scores that guys on this team could bowl. He's like, oh, this guy could roll a 275. This guy could roll a 230. Um, is that for real? Oh, yeah. Tillman, well, they all grew, grew a little bit this year. So, like, Aiden, uh, this ball wouldn't fit him. So, we're at the first practice. I'm looking at it. I'm like, dude, it's just too small. He's like, yeah, I was up this weekend. I got a blister. So, I put some tape on it. I found him a ball off the rack, and he started throwing it. The second game he bowled with it, he shot a 278. <laughs> wow that is probably uh, like three games of mine combined <laughs> a lot of people's <laughs> <laughs> and this kid is in eighth grade correct that's awesome yeah, they can all pop off and throw five six strikes in a row they're starting to get the vibe you know once they get five or six saying that you know i'm gonna get a 300 I'm like, Dude, you can't even think about that till you get the ninth <laughs> you got three more to go they all always thought they could do it, so that's that's perfect. Because that just means they're pushing themselves to be better. Correct. And as a coach, that's exactly what you want. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Grady, he, he got a new ball, and uh, he actually went up with my boy when we got, got his ball redrilled because his hand grew, too. And I didn't realize Grady only got, like, a 13-pound ball. So when we went to sectionals, Luke Ross is a guy that charge of the Elklanes. He gave Grady his ball, which was a 15-pounder, and Grady just worked on it. We worked with him and uh, got him walking up a little different. He started throwing that ball, too, just off the rack, basically, and that carried him on the way to what he did at State, that heavier ball will, of course, will turn the pins better and get you a better pin count. Definitely, and I think he said he was subbed for a minute because he wasn't bowling too well. He comes back in and then had a turkey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be three strikes in a row. Um, me and John kind of agreed. We we let them all bowl Saturday. Cooper was like our fifth man. And if they had a chance, you know, to advance in the top ten or so in state, we would we wouldn't have subbed them. But um, we all talked, and the team agreed. I'm like, hey, Cooper's here. If you guys are bowling bad, don't worry about it. We can sub Coop in. The next game, you're starting again. But this is for a team. We want to win it for the team. They all agreed. And, yeah, the first game. Coop came in, and then I think it was like maybe the fourth game, he came in for Alex. Alex had like three, four splits in a row. So then Coop came in and pulled a strike and then had maybe an open or two, got a couple more strikes. But he finished out the games to help the team with a higher, you know, higher score. So the definition of the sixth man off the bench, if we're using basketball terms. Exactly. That's awesome. So, again, just kind of a well-rounded team that was a team. Doesn't sound like anybody was like, hey, the all-star bowler here was just kind of like a group of kids that just wanted to bowl together. Uh, you hit it right on the nail. They all wanted to be the top dog, and they kept trying to be the top dog, and that's what made them so good. When you guys came back into town, I understand there was a parade and a lot of love and support for what you guys were able to do from the town of Mendota. Yeah, there's people standing out in the yards. Uh, the, the police department took us all the way basically from 39, only going about 20 miles per hour into town. So that was kind of slow, but we got into town. They drove us all the way around town, took us up to the Elks, and then there's probably 30 to 40 people at the Elks waiting to see the guys get there, their classmates, friends, family members. So it was all pretty cool. I mean, as a coach, somebody that's been around these boys, helping them develop their bowling game for quite a long time, from what I understand. What does it mean for you to you know, not only be part of this state team as a coach, but to see these kids you know, excel and use their hard work and stuff for a state championship? 
I don't really think it's sunk in yet. You know, I, like you said, it's the state championship. And to me, it's just like, oh, wow, we just won the biggest tournament of the year, which it was. It was state. So, I mean, just some kids, it's it's great for them. Grady was saying, you know, we got done. He's like, I wanted this ever since I got joined the Holy Cross team because he started like in uh, what had been sixth grade instead of fifth grade. And then, of course, we with COVID, we were absent the two years, so we couldn't really coach, but they would get up there on that Saturday league or Thursday night league now, and, and we'd help them there, and they understand what the lines are. They're starting to understand where to move. So just to see the accomplishment on them, and I know and John knows they're going to be better the rest of their lives for what we got a chance to teach them. So that's the best thing about it. I'm glad you kind of led with that because that was my next question. I mean, with them being in eighth grade, they're about to graduate from junior high. They're going to the high school. I mean, seems like, you know, it's the sky is the limit for them. They could do whatever they want to as long as they keep working at it. Yeah, we'll lose a couple of them to basketball, of course. That's their bigger passion. But um, the ones that are going to stay there, they'll keep working on it. They'll keep pushing each other. we got a couple kids coming from uh, Northbrook, I know, that uh, – Paxton uh, Bauer, he'll, he'll be on the team, and his brother Landon's on the team, and those guys travel all over the state in some pretty major tournaments, so they'll push them. So we're going to have a heck of a boys team. Our girls team, I think uh, some of the girls from the Holy Cross that advanced, um, they're actually going to end up going over to St. Pete, and the guy that goes to St. Pete, um, he's not the coach, but he was a coach for, for Ladd, and he's got a pretty good star there. I think she finished in the top 20 in state. Our other girl got 54 in state, so and, and the girls are even looking into it. Uh, they could tell me what they were doing wrong after they threw the ball. They knew what they were doing wrong, and you know that's that's what makes you proud. They listened and they tried and they tried. So as long as they tried, you know it doesn't matter what the score was. Definitely, we got to give them full shout outs though. So who were these girls that you know bowled well? Lily uh, Solomon. She ended up advancing. Brianna Mark. Tina's, uh, she just missed out, and Anna, I don't know how to say her last name, uh, Crow, Crosay or something like that, she was right there. She got hot towards the end, but her first couple games just weren't high enough. For the girls, it was a little different shot in the morning than what the boys had on Saturday. I was telling Brianna, I can't tell you what to do because you're not doing anything wrong. You're just getting some bum hits. That's just kind of how bowling goes sometimes. She got like four or five splits in a row. And then Lily on Saturday, when she could have really advanced on up, she put the ball right there. She's always like, why do I miss my centimeter? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I can't tell you to do anything different, you know. They approved a lot. They were shooting around 80s. And I think uh, Lily got her new high, like a 163 down there. And uh, Anna had like a 138. Brianna had like a high 140, but I think she had another 130. But then her last couple games, I mean, she just got robbed by some Bad hits, good balls, but bad hits. It stinks how sports in general do that to you. Yeah, it's, some of my coworkers were asking me questions, and I explained it to them, and they're like, "You're kidding me, right? Like, a, not even a half inch, quarter inch, and she would have had strikes instead of splits." I'm like, "Yeah, you got it." <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird how the world works, but uh, it's definitely a matter of inches in sports sometimes. Yes, it is. So it sounds like, you know, bowling in Mendota has, you know, got a lot to look forward to with girls and boys coming in that are now, you know, battle-tested with state tournament championships and, you know, just being in that atmosphere, whether you don't win. I mean, being in that atmosphere with the best of the best, that's got to be, you know, 
looking forward for Mendota, a really good thing. Yeah, in all sports, they, they push each other and everything. Uh, baseball, basketball, um, golf, they're all involved in golf. They all go out together in groups. It, for a parent, you can't ask for any more, you know. Kids push themselves, so I didn't get to see them too much in football at all. But um, I'm sure they're pushing each other that way just as hard. I mean, especially in football, because you can actually push each other. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they'll pick on each other, but they they have fun, and if somebody has a bad shot, camaraderie's unbelievable. They just run right over there and say, hey, it's all right, you'll be all right, you know. I mean, one of my best stories would have probably been, uh, what were they, were fifth grade or sixth grade, they were in a basketball tournament. They were getting stomped by Holy Family, and everybody scored on the team except one kid. And he was in the last few minutes just to try to score. So they'd just get him on the ball and have him shoot, you know, and he was throwing up some wild shots and this and that. The buzzer was going off. He was at the three-point line, and he threw up the shot, and he banked it in and made it. And you would have thought they won the tournament. They just got beat by probably 20, 30 points, but they won. That one kid scored, and they were so happy. They, they were happier than the team that won. They were high-fiving the team that won and everything like that. That's what the great group is out of that Holy Cross, eighth grades. <laughs> That's making me smile. Like, I'm, I'm laughing, smiling as, we're, as I'm listening to this. You can't believe it, how great they are, all them kids. Well, Coach Matt Novak, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast to talk about this IEA state championship winning Holy Cross bowling team man i'm really excited for you guys and happy with what we were able to do this season and congratulations hey thank you appreciate it